Y'all may be seated. Oh, wow. Are there any questions? What was that? Woo! Yeah. Oh, man. Man, 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 man. Wow. We, if you've been here for the past few weeks, raise your hand. If you forgot, raise your other hand. <laughs> we have been preaching from the book of Ruth, one of the most powerful books, one of the most compelling books in all of scripture. And, for the, and here it is, the fourth time Pastor Sam is saying it. I want this to be a movie one day. A 21st century contextualized, powerful narrative of this woman, Ruth and Naomi, these two women who literally changed the world. They changed the world because to a great degree, we are here today because of what transpired here years ago. Amen. Ruth and Naomi. If you weren't here, it's a very compelling story. It's from the book of Ruth. It begins in the city of Bethlehem. Bethlehem, these are the Hebrew definitions of each of the terms. So it's the Hebrew exegete of the biblical passage. It begins in Bethlehem. My Vanna White will be helping me today. It, it begins... It, it begins in Bethlehem with the house of bread. They are from Bethlehem of Judah, bread in the midst of praise. We talked about the fact that provision is always found and discovered in the midst of your praise. Bethlehem of Judah. So this family is in Bethlehem of Judah. They're in a great place, except the famine takes place. And because of the famine, they decide to pivot and to leave their place of destiny. Instead of surviving the famine, they look for greener pastures. They look for another seed. They go to Moab of this father, another seed. They go to Moab. They leave their place of destiny. The Bible says they settled there. We talked about that last week. They settled there. You should never, ever settle for anything less than God's best. Don't settle with Moab. There are things in life that will push you to Moab. There are things in life that will try to prompt you to leave your place of destiny. Never settle for Moab. By the way, the, the phraseology in the Hebrew is explicit. It says they settled there. They built there. They bought a home. They should have rented an apartment, but no, they bought a home there. They settled there. Don't, because there, there are things we go through, but we don't have to settle in the things we go through. Are you with me? So they settled there, and the, the dad's name was Elimelech. My God is king. We heard that powerful testimony last week from Derek and Gina. Powerful testimony about the first responder, you know, God is king. Elimelech. And Elimelech was married to a woman named Sweet Joy. Naomi is Sweet Joy. And they have two kids named Malon and Killian. And one of them is sickly. The other one is wasting away. Yep. So they're there. And, and why? The moment you leave Bethlehem, the moment you leave praise, the moment you leave... The, by the way, let me say this right now. This... This typifies your relationship with Jesus. This is Jesus. Don't ever leave Jesus looking for something better because you won't find it. You won't find it. Matter of fact, there may be people in this auditorium or listening online right now that you maybe you tried a Moab, but you discovered that nothing is ever better than Bethlehem and Judah. Is there anybody here who for a while walked away from your relationship with Jesus only to come back and say, I've tried everything. There's nothing better than Jesus. If you've been here, raise your hand. Absolutely nothing better than Jesus. But, but because the moment you go into Moab and settle there, you'll always be surrounded by sickly things and things that are wasting away. That's what happens. All of a sudden, this is what takes place. This is Elimelech. Elimelech dies. The sickly thing dies. 
Mr. Wasting Away dies. And as you well know, Malon and Killian, before they died, they ended up marrying two. Two Moabite women. One of them is Ruth, which means companion, covenant relationship, friend, vision of beauty. The other one is Oprah Winfrey's sister, Orpha. Somebody listening online going, I did not know that. <laughs> Orpha means stiff-necked. So these are the daughters of the, guy, of the sons who died. So all of a sudden, bring them over here. Bring, bring Orpha and Ruth over here to Naomi. All of a sudden, this is what's left over. We have sweet joy surrounded by a stiff-necked person and surrounded by covenant relationship. Now, we know, we know what happened here from last week. Orpha comes along. Naomi says, get out of here. Get married. My, my husband died. My kids died. I'm in Moab. I'm in a strange land. I'm not even from here. You guys need to get married. Even if you, if you I can't give you any more, any more boys. Even if God does a Sarah thing with me and miraculously I have sons, what are you going to do? Wait for them to grow up? Y'all need to get a life. Get a life. I'm done. God hates me. The, the, the Hebrew phrase, he lift up his hand, his fist towards me. He's punishing me. For whatever reason, God hates my guy. She was totally off, by the way. But God hates me. So she's saying, get away from me. And she tells Ruth and Orpha to get away. Initially, Orpha says, I'm going to stick around. Ruth says, I'm with you. A little more nudge. And what happens? Orpha says, deuces, I'm out of here. Because she's stiff-necked. And you don't want to be surrounded by stiff-necked people. You don't. This is powerful. We read it last week. We know that Naomi... She, she turned her, her, literally, her body, her destiny, her eyes back toward Bethlehem. She said, I'm going back to Bethlehem. And she went on the road back to Bethlehem, the Bible says. And on the way, you have to purge yourself from relationships that would hinder you from fulfilling your purpose. Not everyone could, let me, let me digress and reiterate the final point from last week. Not everyone could accompany you. Not everyone can be with you on your journey. There are people that were with you for a season. By the way, we, as mature Christians, we don't condemn them. We don't judge them. Matter of fact, you should be grateful for the people that God had for you for chapter 1. Maybe they won't be there for chapter 12, but they were necessary for chapter 1. Are you with me right now? But don't try to make a chapter 1 person who God doesn't want in your chapter 12 follow you to your chapter 12. Is anybody with me right now? How many know of people in your past that were with you for a season, but they're not with you now? But those that are with you now are with you because God preordained them to be part of your life. How many are grateful for that? So you have your, you have your Ruth. And all of a sudden, here comes the, here comes the part now. Here comes. So Naomi, we talked about last week, and she tells God, you're, you're coming against me, therefore I'm going to go follow you, I'm going to still pursue you. I'm gonna still. And all of a sudden, Naomi and Ruth, pick them up with me, Naomi and Ruth, and they make their way back to Bethlehem. Now this is the rest of the story. They come back here. Now we're going to have fun. They come back to Bethlehem. So so, by the way, here it is. You ready? The Bible says they never went back ever, 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 ever. Ever means ever. When the Bible says never again, God means never again. The Bible says they never again went back to, oh, you missed it. I'm here to tell you in the name of he who resurrected. I'm here to tell you in the name of Jesus, your Moab season is officially over once and for all. Nope, 
you missed it. I'm here to tell you your season of Moab, your season of famine, your season of sickly things and wasting away things is officially over. Put a smile on your face. You and your family will never live in Moab again. You and your children and your children's children and your children's 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 children will be permanently occupants of Bethlehem, of Judah, of the grace of Jesus, the favor of Jesus, and the forgiveness of Jesus. If you believe that, shout like you're never going to live in Moab again. If you really believe it, tell your neighbor, my Moab season is over. No, but you got to tell him with a smile on your face. Tell him, I'm not kidding. My Moab season is over. My famine season is over. It's over. From this moment on, I'm living in Bethlehem. I'm living in Judah. So when they arrived, when they arrived, and if you think that's a joke, you got to talk to Derek and Gina about what happened when they heard my God is king. You got to run with this word. So from this moment, they arrived. So Naomi and Ruth, Naomi and Ruth, Naomi and Ruth are walking. Elijah, come with me. You and me are Naomi and Ruth. Don't judge. Who do you want to be? He just told me I'm trying to find my Boaz. I don't know what to think. I don't know what to do right now. What do you do? As a pastor, what do you do? All I can do is come here, honey. Come with me. This is so wrong and yet so right. So they're going together. Covenant relationship. This is crazy. They're, they're together. They arrive in Bethlehem. Dude, in Bethlehem, after all these years, this is so awesome. It's what the Bible says. Let me read it for you. The two of them continued. When they arrived to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. Actually, the Hebrew exegetes, they, they were surprised. And the women begin to ask, is it really Naomi? There's no way that could be you. There's no way that could be you. Here's the first thing God told me to tell you this afternoon. You're about to surprise the world. Nah, nah, nah. No, I mean it. You're, 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 about to you're about to surprise your friends. You're about to surprise your family. You're about, to, you're about to surprise your haters. You're about to surprise your detractors. You're about to surprise the people that said you would never survive and you would never overcome and you would never come out of it and you would never be victorious and you would never make it out. The, the people that said you would never survive that breakup or that relationship failure or that divorce or that thing that you went through. The people that said you would never survive the fire or the storm or the drought. Are there any survivors in the house here today? Hell said you would never survive the flood, but here you are. Hell said you would never survive the fire, but here you are. Hell said you would never survive the storm, but here you are. Hell said you would never survive that relationship breakup, but here you are. Has anybody been through anything in the past year, two years, three years? I'm telling you, you're a Naomi. 
you survived. People went, I can't believe you're alive. We can't believe you survived. We can't believe you're here. There's a reason you survived. I'm telling you, there's a reason you survived. There's a reason. Oh, by the way, have you ever heard? We have today's Veterans Day. We, we have Pastor Nathan. You pray for them, right? The veterans. So we honor all of our veterans. But, but unfortunately, some of our veterans come back from some of these war uh, scenarios with post-traumatic stress disorder, right? And we're praying them through and believing God for great things. But likewise, they survived wars and they have PTSD. But in, in Christ, in Christ, there are people that praise a little different from other people because of what they survived. It's not post-traumatic stress, but it is post-traumatic praise. Don't judge them. They praise a little louder. They lift up their hands a little bit more. They worship in a little bit unorthodox. Some of them like to. Don't judge them. Stop saying they're emotional. You have no idea the hell they went through. You have no idea what they survived. You have no idea. Are you with me right now? Are there any survivors in the house here today? Am I preaching to anybody? Look at your neighbor. Neighbor. That's the reason I praise the way I praise. Tell them that's why I worship the way I worship. Don't judge me. Don't criticize me. I survived. I am here. I'm still standing. You survive. Raise your right hand. For each of these points, we're making declarations. If you've been here for the past three weeks, if not, we'll catch you up. Raise your right hand. Repeat after me. In Jesus' name, for the glory of the risen Christ, I'm about to surprise the world. Now, I need you to hear me. You really are. The next thing God's about to do in your, God, God the, the harvest will be, when you, you it's gonna, people are gonna, who is, Naomi, I can't believe you are here. But you're not there to beg. You're not there as woe is me. Naomi went from a lady who went through all of this. Ruth, Naomi, Boaz, Obed, Jesse, David, Jesus. You missed it. Naomi was married to a guy whose name was my God is King. She upgraded not to a name but literally to be part of the lineage where Ruth and Boaz, not of the guy with the name but the man who is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God's not going to give you a name. He's going to give you the fullness of what it means to be a child of God and a child of the King. Are you with me? You survive. You survive. You're like Naomi. You're survivors. You survive because you belong to Christ. And the greatest surprise, you come from a lineage of, of spiritual prophetic surprises. From Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Joseph to Moses to Joshua to Daniel to Esther to Ruth and Naomi. You come from a spiritual lineage. Galatians 3.14. You are heir to that lineage. You survived that. But the greatest surprise, the greatest surprise, the greatest Gomer Pio moment, surprise, surprise, surprise. 
took place 2,000 years ago. When a, when a man, the son of man, the son of God, who is a descendant of this story, who was born in this city, was crucified, was nailed to a cross, he was pierced, he was confirmed to be dead on the third day, surprise, 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 the man that was dead came back to life, that is Jesus. All right. You survived because of Galatians 3.14 and now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are the heirs to all of this. You survived because you are a bona fide member of the Isaiah 43 verse 2 association. Amen. When you pass through the waters, I am with you. Amen. When you pass through the streams, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burnt. The flames will not harm you. You survived because you're a, I love this, the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 15.10. God treated me with undeserved grace. He made me what I am. This is one of the greatest lines you could ever say as a Christian. Paul says this. His grace, his grace was not wasted. Let me see if they have the wrong version again. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's the wrong version. His grace. They like to tamper with my stuff just to see whether or not I'm really anointed. His, his grace was not wasted. Survive. You're going to surprise. You're going to surprise. Welcome to Bethlehem. Your Moab season is over. Oh, I, I got to share something here. Put. There was a kid here, a young man. I call him a kid. I'm a kid, yeah? Why are you laughing? I want to make this statement one more time for the church to know Pastor Sam is still in his 40s. For now. There was, stop it. There was a kid right here last week. So I'm preaching this, not this, the, the part we preached last week, right, this part. And he starts crying. Now I know him, his, actually his grandfather is an admiral in the Navy. Comes from a strong military family. And, and you know, strong kid, military kid. He comes to the green room afterwards. I said, I, I, are, you all, are you okay, man? He comes from Fresno. He says, Pastor Sam, you have no idea. I live this right now. I go, what do you mean you lived it? I shared with this of our midweek group on Wednesday. You were here on Wednesday. So I went, what do you mean you lived this? He goes, I just lived this entire sermon. That's why I'm crying. Like, how did you know? And, and I go, well, I'm just a pizza guy. Jesus knows. But what do you mean you lived it? And he says, no, I just went through this. Put the picture up. He goes, my baby boy was born. He was born so premature, he weighed two pounds. And, and he spent 73 days in intensive care, NATO intensive care in Fresno. That's the picture when he was in intensive care. He had grade one, grade two, grade two of, of, of the, brain, the brain damage issues. By the way, I'll tell you the end of the story in a second. I don't want to get ahead of myself. And grade three is permanent. Those that are privy to the, to the physiological development of the brain and, and, and children. So it's, he was saying, here I am. I found, myself, I found myself in my Moab and I could have gone deeper in. And I began to question, God, why did you permit it? Why are you, why are you doing this? I mean, I'm your, I'm your son. I go to church. I, I, I pay tithes and offerings. I worship. Why do you permit this? She said, he said, I was about to go deeper in my Moab, and God told me, go here. God told me, pivot towards Bethlehem. Go, go here. Pivot. Don't do it. Don't go deeper. Trust me. So all of a sudden, he shook it off. You know what he did? He went, wait a second. Wait a second. So he went to the natal 
intensive care unit of Fresno. He went in that, in that hospital, and he's, there's 11 other incubators with babies in worse condition than his. Worse. Some of them were born, just worse, horrific conditions. These kids were all, many of them, he stated, were about to die. So he walked in there and said, I'm done. He goes, like, why am I going through this? It doesn't matter. I know this. The devil should have left me alone. Because now, I am not going to pray for my kid to be the only one to come out of this hospital. Matter of fact, he said, Pastor Sam, I promise you, I told God, I'm not leaving here till the other 11 kids walk out perfectly healed in the name of Jesus. You can look him up. Chris Montalongo from Fresno. He said, Pastor Sam, so help me God. Guess what happened? Every, I not only prayed for them, I prayed for their parents. I'm there as a prayer warrior and intercessor. Sometimes God will make you go through something so you become the catalyst for the breakthrough. Not just... What you went through will heal someone else. What you went through will release someone else. What you went through will free someone else. What you went through has an anointing for someone else. So he prayed, and guess what happened? He said, go call the hospital. He actually sent me the testimony. My guys know it. They saw it in a red way because I asked for certification so I can prove it. So he sent it. It's typed up. You can read it. Guess what? Not one child died. Every child was perfectly healed. Every child was taken out in the name of Jesus. Somebody should get excited. Somebody say surprise, surprise, surprise. Let me wrap up. Pastor Nathan's giving me a time, and I, I want to make sure I acquiesce to the time parameters he's giving me. He, <laughs> weird things happen. Come, come with me here. So you, you're thinking she leaves Moab, right? Yeah. She's stepping into her Bethlehem. This should be the happiest day of her life. So in psychology, when you go through a traumatic experience... The moment when you're going through it, you have adrenaline. So what you go, you have like this impetus to survive. It's an instinct. It's biological, physiological, it's likewise spiritual. When you get to your safe space, many people go into a depression. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's post-traumatic stress. So now that you can relax, it all hits you. Oh my God, I lost him. I lost him. I lost him. I lost her. So this is what she says. She gets to Bethlehem. Everybody's going, you made it. And they go, sweet joy, sweet joy, you're here. You're here, you're here. And all of a sudden, she makes the following comment. She, she just, stop calling me sweet joy. From this moment on, you can't call me sweet joy. You must call me Mara. My name is bitter. After all I've been through, after all, I, after all God did to me, don't you dare call me Joy. She literally said to read it. Call me Bitter. That's my name, Bitter. That's my new name, Bitter. And then the next thing that happened is beautiful. Everyone around her looked at her and said, okay, Naomi. You missed it. Everyone around her literally said, okay, whatever, sweet joy. In other words, we love you so much, we're not going to cater to your nonsense. 
You, you want us to call you by what you went through. We're going to call you according to where God is taking you to. Your name is not bitter. Your name is joy. Your name is not broken. Your name is blessed. Your name is not defeated. Your name is victory. Your name is not forgotten. Your name is favor. Stop calling yourself by the hell you went through. Stop calling yourself by the trauma you went to. Do not define yourself by what the devil did to you or by what others did to you or by what you did to yourself. Yeah. Raise your right hand. Repeat after me. Say it, but I want you to say it with every fiber of your being. Repeat after me. My problems do not define me. God's promises define me. I am not defined by my failures. I am defined by his forgiveness. I am not defined by what others did to me. I am defined by what Jesus did for me. If you believe that, open up your mouth and give God a shout of praise. I want you to hear me. You're not defined by your trials. You're defined by his testimony. You're not defined by what you go through. You're defined by who you pray to. She said, call me. She said, call me bitter. She said, call me bitter. And everyone, including the writer of Ruth, the Hebrew scholars believe it was a prophet Samuel, inspired by the Holy Spirit, said, no, nah, nah, we're not going to call you Mara. She was never called Mara again. Amen. She was called Sweet Joy. Amen. Wait, wait a second. Friends. 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 Back in the back old old school, in the Christian world, there was a song that everyone used to sing back in the day. Me and friends, the friends forever. If the Lord's the Lord of all. It was quasi-depressive, but it was there. Back in my generation, there was an even more powerful song that I would acquiesce to. And it had a powerful lyric, and it sounded like this. It's, it's a very powerful worship song. Friends. How many of us have them? I'm oh, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The ones you can depend on. I'll say, friends. Oh, hey, stop it, stop it, stop, stop that. Stop this. Anybody under 20 going, what just happened? Stop that. You got to be surrounded by people that don't tolerate the stuff that does not line up with God's purpose for your life. Now nah, you missed it. In 2018, you, people were the kind of friends that if you would have said, from now on, you got to call me Mara. A, a true friend would say, okay, you're Mara. No, she really had a real friend. She had a friend that said, oh, you're so sweet. I don't care what just came out of your mouth. I'm here to make sure God's purpose in your life is fulfilled. So that's the kind of friend you need. I'm going to land this. I'm going to land this. Let's land this. So stop, stop, stop calling yourself bitter. Your name is Sweet Joy. And then this is the final point, the Bethlehem harvest. Naomi returned, and then they arrived in Bethlehem in late spring at the beginning of the barley, the beginning. So let me, let me break it down for you the way it appears based on the Hebrew definitions. Sweet joy returned from another seed accompanied by her daughter-in-law, faithful companion. They arrived in the house of bread at the beginning of the harvest. She came back, she came back. 
she came back and she found the harvest. They got to the right place at the right time. Oh, let me say that one more time. It wasn't a coincidence, a coincidence that she came back at the beginning of the harvest. Not at the end of the harvest. Not even in the middle of the harvest. I'm speaking to you prophetically. You're not stepping into a season where the harvest already began. You're stepping into a season where the harvest is just beginning for you. No. I want you to believe with me that you are. Let me give you Psalm 126 verse 6. Those who wept as they went out carrying the seed will come back singing for joy as they bring in the harvest. You are about to reap the greatest harvest of your life. There is a harvest coming your way. Raise your right hand, repeat after me. There's a harvest coming my way. I want to speak to everyone who's been through something. If you've been through a Moab, even for an hour, even for a day, if the famine in your life prompted you to leave your place of destiny, if you've, been, if, if, if you've been in a place where you were surrounded by sickly things and things that were wasting away and stiff-necked people, if you found yourself calling yourself bitter based on what you went through, if your past still defines you or defined you, but you're willing to step into Bethlehem. Oh. Naomi didn't step into Bethlehem perfectly healthy in her mind, body, soul, and spirit. She was jacked up, discombobulated. She was depressed and broken, and yet she stepped into Bethlehem. You missed it. You don't have to be perfect. I said you don't have to be perfect to step into your Bethlehem. Are you with me? I'm speaking to all the imperfect folk in the house that you may have an issue or a bit of brokenness. You're not disqualified. Bethlehem is waiting for you. If you're ready for your harvest, if you're believing with me that before this year is over, you're going to reap the greatest harvest you've ever reaped in your life. I want you to give God the best praise you've given him the entire day today. Lift up your hands. Repeat after me. There's a harvest coming my way. Say it like you believe it. There's a harvest coming my way. With your hands hit really high, really high, really high. Say, there's a vertical harvest coming my way. There's a horizontal harvest coming my way. There's a harvest of souls coming to Jesus through my testimony. I sense an anointing. No, no, I sense an anointing. Your testimony like Naomi is about to change the world around you. People around you are going to go, but how in the world? I'm telling you right now, your testimony, you're going to open up your mouth. You're going to share with people the hell you've been through, what you survived. Not by, 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 you're not glorifying the devil. What you're actually doing is shaming him. You're, you're, you're not doing with, oh, I can't believe what I went through. You're going to be like, I'm going to tell you what I went through. Let me tell you what I survived. Let me tell you how God was faithful. Let me tell you how God never abandoned me, never forsake, never, 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 never. Every day when I thought, every day he saw me through. If you're ready for your harvest, lift up your hands really high. I sense God. Those who wept, 
Those who wept carrying the seed will come back singing for joy. I sense God with your hands raised. If you truly believe, if you truly believe that you're about to reap the greatest harvest of your entire life for the glory of Jesus, if you believe this is your Bethlehem harvest season, your harvest of second chances, if you believe your Moab season is over, this is your season for you and your family to see the fullness of what God has for you. And you survived so much and here you are. Lift up your hands really high, both of them. And repeat after me. My Bethlehem harvest cannot and will not be denied. Stand with me right now if you're not standing. I want you to look up here. Maybe they have the version that I want. You never know these days. It's all a mystery to me and Pastor Phyllis. We don't know why these things happen. Psalm 65, 11. Let's see if it's the version that I actually presented. If you have Psalm 65, 11, please put it up. Find it. I'll read it for you. You crown the year with a bountiful harvest. Even the hard pathways will overflow with abundance. Let me repeat that one more time. You crown the year with a bountiful harvest. Even the hard pathways will overflow with abundance. I'm going to say it one more time because there's a part here you need to get. God will finish off the year with a bountiful harvest. And even your most difficult areas will overflow with abundance. So let, let's say your most difficult area this year was your marriage. If it was your marriage, your marriage is about to overflow with abundance. Let's say your most difficult area was your integrity. You didn't live according to God's word. You're about to live, you're about to reap an overflow of a harvest of holiness like you've never lived holy before in your life. Let's say it's financial, whatever it may be. The hard areas of your life, this is not my promise, it's God's. He says this, I'm going to crown the year. I'm going to finish off the year. This is it, we're in November. I'm going to finish off the year with not just the harvest, a bountiful harvest. And even the hard areas, the difficult areas of your life will overflow with abundance. That should put a hallelujah on three lips. Look up here for a second. She got this far, this deep. And she had to make, she had to, she had to pivot. She had to, come here. But she didn't do it alone. It's interesting how Jesus commissioned his disciples two by two. You're not meant to do this by yourself. You're not, you're not. Yeah, some things will waste away. Some things will not. Some things that say, I'm going to be with you forever. They're actually stiff-necked and deuces. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine Ruth and Naomi going back. She doesn't even. She, 
she doesn't even, that's not even her tribe. Hey man, I want to turn back. I, Ruth, I'm turning back. Where's no way? Can you imagine just a, no, 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 we're too late. We're going to Bethlehem. There's a harvest waiting for us. 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 Come up here. Come up here. Come here, Ruth. It's going to be a prophetic act. I want you to take this. And when I say now, I want you to flip it. Turn it around. The moment you turn it around, and I'm not kidding you here, just like we know from the prophetic outcomes here that have been testified. The moment you turn it around, everyone here who has called themselves by something other than what God calls them. This is the last day you will ever call yourself that name. not depression your name is not anxiety your name is not fear your name is not forgotten your name is not unbelief and unforgiveness your name is saved your name is delivered your name is healed your name is filled your name is anointed your name is called your name is chosen your name is righteousness of God yes so Pastor Elijah, you're going to flip this thing when I say now, okay? You're going to flip it. The moment you flip it, everyone here who says this is the last time I will permit anyone to call me anything other, but more importantly, you will never call yourself anything less than what God calls you. A child of the living God. This message is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. A big meta-narrative, a big prophetic metaphor for the vicarious atoning work of Jesus who is king. Matter of fact, it's 127. Don't move, please. We usually don't do this. We have a protocol. We have a packed house. All I want you to do is this. I just sense this more break program because the Holy Spirit is driving me. If you're saying, Pastor Sam, this is all me. I'm, I've been calling myself something different than what God calls me. And I've permitted others to actually affirm that. It's the last day it's going to happen. I receive this word. If that's you, when he turns it around, come out of your seat. Don't anyone leave. Come out of your seat and join me here for three minutes and we'll pray over you, but it'll be the last day your name will be Mara for the rest of your life. Ready? When you flip it, you, if it's you, you don't have to. If it's you, your, your name is not suicide. Your name is life and abundant life. Your name is, your name is not addiction. Your name is freedom. So on the count of, I, I mean it. Today's the last day you'll be addicted. Today's the last. By the way, your name is not alcoholic. Your name is set free by the blood of the lamb and a drinker of the new wine. So when I count to three, if it's you, you come out of your seat. You do whatever you have to. Tell someone nicely, graciously, I'm sorry, this is all me. One, two, three, flip it, go.